Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. Welcome back to this episode of BFR Radio. Thanks for joining in. A few updates before we get into this podcast. My last episode from Your Questions Answered, I thought was huge. I felt I covered a lot of areas with both the upper and the lower body from pre to post surgery and also returning to full training. So if you haven't already checked it out, make sure you do. Also what I've done is you'll notice if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, which is at Chris Cavillio, I do these 60 second snippets where really I try to get the best bits of it. And it was that big, I had 16 of them. So I was able to cut the whole podcast into 16 minutes of the best information. And now what I'm going to do with that is because there's lots of great practical information. I've got shot some videos so you can have a look at it and you can actually see what I'm talking about. And if you're going through the same kind of things, you can actually apply it into your own training as well. And just on that, if you do have any burning questions about BFR and your own training, let me know and I'll put it together. In this case with Declan, we actually got online and we chatted about it and it, we had that really great flowing conversation. But there's some people who are just have got those couple of questions and I can also then just form that into my own podcast. As I'm recording this episode, it actually coincides with the start of the 2020 or should I say 2021 Tokyo Olympic Summer Games. I'm actually currently sitting in my hotel room in Cairns, far north Queensland, helping out with the Australian track and field team. In particular, I work with three athletes, one sprinter, a female, 200 meter runner, Riley Day, and also two decathletes, Ashley Maloney and Cedric Dubler, and they'll be competing very soon, so keep an eye out for them. With respect to these athletes, I mainly do their strength programs, but I'm also the shot put and discus coach for the two decathletes. It's actually been a really exciting few weeks seeing the athletes finalize their preparation. And as per usual, these camps always have a few challenges. So if everything goes according to plan, hopefully I can talk more about that another time. And if we can pull it off, it's going to be so exciting that I really think that this could be potentially huge for how we train athletes, but in particular, how we incorporate BFR with our athletes training. It's actually been interesting bringing BFR into this camp. The athletes I work with are very comfortable with blood flow restriction and use it systematically within their training in both the gym and also around the track. However, even in this environment, there's a mixed stigma around BFR. Perhaps this is driven from misconceptions and misinterpretation of studies, and I think also perhaps just a plain lack of good quality education. And hopefully this will change with time. But in the meantime, I know that the athletes that I work with are utilizing blood flow restriction as one tool to help maximize their performance. And this brings me to today's article. And I actually enjoyed putting together the last mini-series of articles, so I thought that I would continue this theme. And I feel that it helps build the articles and perhaps builds better depth across a theme at one time instead of jumping from different paper to different paper and across multiple concepts. A quick blag about this, if you do have any topics that you'd like me to cover in a more in-depth mini-series type format, please let me know via my socials, which is at Chris Cavillio. That's Twitter or Instagram. Also via my website, which is sportsrehab.com.au. And as it's the Olympics, I thought it would be fitting that this mini-series would look at how to use BFR in sporting movements 
all for the benefit of performance of sporting outcomes. I thought that this fitted well with the theme of the Olympics, and it may give a sports coach an idea for their own athletes on how they can incorporate it for the benefit of sporting performance. Now also remember that there are contraindications for BFR use, and this needs to be taken in the correct context. For example, if your athletes have a low training age, you need to firstly ensure that they're covering the big rocks with respect to training and recovery. And you actually may have more benefit in getting the simple things correct before even contemplating doing blood flow restriction. Onto the article, and the one that I'm going to review today is called Occlusion Training During Specific Futsal Training Improves Aspects of Physiological and Physical Performance. And this is out of Khorazmi University in Iran. Although futsal is not in the Olympics, soccer for my Southern Hemisphere friends or football for my European friends is. Therefore, I thought that the concept in the training of and the movements performed are quite similar. Futsal is a competitive ball sport consisting of short duration sprints interspersed with short recovery periods. The repeated high intensity nature of futsal requires players to develop high levels of both long duration exercise and short duration exercise capacity. Previous research has reported that professional players can develop maximum oxygen consumption, that's VO2 max, values in excess of 60 milliliters per kilogram per minute. Futsal players typically cover 3 to 5 kilometers during a game and more than 50% of the time is performed at a high intensity. A previous study has reported players achieve a mean blood lactate concentration of 5.3 millimole per litre and spend approximately 80% of actual playing time at exercise intensities higher than 85% of their maximum heart rate. Traditionally, training has focused on a combination of generic team sport exercises aimed at improving repeat sprint ability and long duration exercise capacity to enhance skill and techniques. A recent trend in team sports has seen an increase in the use of small-sided games to not only improve the player's technical aspects, but also to provide a time-efficient method for improving players' physical condition. Compared to generic training, the use of small-sided games provides the additional benefit of allowing for more training time spent developing game-relevant skills and technical abilities while simultaneously providing game-specific fitness. The authors therefore look towards the benefit for including BFR into the futsal training through the reported greater gains in both aerobic and anaerobic performance, as well as the increased levels of hormones related to muscle hypertrophy, such as growth hormone and insulin-like growth factor. It was therefore thought that BFR might provide a valuable additional training methodology for futsal players, especially when used in conjunction with small-sided gameplay. Due to the specificity principle of training based on muscle involvement pattern in the game of futsal, there was interest of adding BFR to a three-a-side game, which is predominantly dependent on the aerobic system. And this could result in an increase in the exercise metabolic load and potential to increase lactate tolerance. Therefore, the aim of the current study was to investigate the use of BFR in combination with small-sided game training for enhancing the long and short duration exercise capacity of futsal players. The authors hypothesize that high metabolic pressure during the BFR may cause an improvement in performance of futsal players. For me, this is really trying to take something that we see in literature and trying to apply it in the real world with real sporting movements. So really exciting for me to see that they've just used in cuffs and they're playing small-sided games and they're going to see how they go. Moving on to the methods, the study was a controlled trial in which subjects were randomly assigned to either an experimental group that was BFR, where there were six of them, or a control group, which was non-BFR, and another six players. 
and here they had 10 sessions of game-specific futsal training. These 12 futsal players had at least five years of experience in playing futsal at a national league level. The athletes completed a series of physiological and performance tests over three days, one week before and one after the three-week training intervention, which was a total of 10 sessions. There were three physiological tests on day one, was a VO2 max test on a treadmill, and VO2 max was calculated as the highest oxygen consumption consumed over a 30-second period. Within this, they also calculated running speed and heart rates. On day two, they performed a treadmill time to fatigue test of which they used data from their previously determined velocities from the VO2 max test on day one. The subjects commenced the time to fatigue test at 60% of their velocity of VO2 max and they progressively increased to 100% of the velocity. Total run duration was taken from the moment speed equaled the target velocity at VO2 max until the subjects couldn't go any further. On day three, the subjects performed a 30-second Wingate test, and this is typically performed on a stationary bicycle. They took measures of peak power and average power, and the Wingate test was set up an equivalent of 7.5% of each of the subject's body weight. The good thing about a Wingate test is it's pretty easy to implement, and also there's a really small learning curve. So in these types of studies, they're a perfect way to try and ascertain any improvements in power. Looking at the training protocols, futsal training for both the BFR and the control non-BFR group consisted of a three-a-side, small-sided gameplay on a 20 by 20 meter hard surface pitch. Its physiological responses are similar to high-intensity aerobic exercises and is effective for improving aerobic endurance fitness. All subjects completed a total of 10 supervised sessions over three weeks with at least 48 hours between sessions. Games consisted periods of three minutes of activity interspersed with two minutes passive recovery. The total number of repetitions performed increased from sessions one to nine. In sessions one to three, they performed four reps. That was four minutes of three minutes on with two minutes recovery. Sessions four to seven, they performed six reps. And sessions eight to nine, they performed eight reps. So that was eight reps of three minutes on, two minutes off. So a nice incremental way of introducing BFR and also small-sided games to this type of program. And the 10th session was actually performed at the same intensity and also therefore the repetitions of the first session to allow for physiological comparison. All games were played against opposing teams under the same experimental conditions. In other words, BFR versus VFR and non-BFR versus non-BFR. BFR group wore right and left leg pneumatic cuffs, which were 13 centimeters wide. And these were placed on the typical upper thigh in the first week of training, cuffs were inflated to 110% of each individual systolic blood pressure. And there's lots of different methodologies out there. Some uses limb circumference, some Doppler ultrasound, and there's actually one way of using individual systolic blood pressure. And although a lot of research typically now looks at limb circumference as a major guiding factor, there are still papers that use systolic blood pressure to calculate BFR training pressures. The cuff pressure was progressively increased by 10% following each two completed training sessions. And the cuffs remained inflated for each three-minute training period and were immediately deflated for the subsequent two-minute recovery period. The player sat down on a bench and inflated the cuff by a gauge. When the target pressure was reached, players performed three squats to ensure that the exact pressure was reached. Heart rate during all sessions was also recorded. Other measures that they took was rate of perceived exertion, 
after each exercise set. And in the first and last training sessions, that was session number one and session number 10, fingertip blood lactate measures were taken immediately on the completion of gameplay and at five and 12 minutes post play. All lactate measurements were taken with the occlusion cuffs removed. Hormones were also analyzed for free testosterone, cortisol, and also growth hormone. This was taken before the commitments of the training session. This is the baseline immediately after the first session to look at the acute response and after the last training session. And 48 hours after the last training session to see what kind of longer term adaptation may have taken place. Some very simple measures here, but in depth at the same time. Do they improve their fitness? Do they improve their time to fatigue? Also power outputs, and then what kind of hormonal changes have taken place? So with those kind of measurements, let's get onto the results. If we look at the performance measures in the aerobic and anaerobic performance variables, both BFR and non-BFR groups showed substantial increases in VO2 max, where the BFR group increased approximately 11%, and the non-BFR group only 6.8%. The velocity at which VO2 max was achieved improved significantly for both groups following the training period, although the differences were deemed small and not significant. There were significant differences between the groups in time to fatigue and running economy in favour of the BFR group. There were significant differences between groups in time to fatigue and running economy in favour of the BFR group only. If we look at the 30-second Wingate test, Results show that peak power increased significantly in both BFR and the control non-BFR group, whereas average power increased significantly only in the BFR group. Looking at blood lactates in the first session, there was a significantly higher blood lactate concentration immediately and five minutes later in the BFR group compared to the non-BFR group. The blood lactate levels decreased in both groups at 12 minutes later and at the last session, blood lactate levels were significantly reduced in the BFR group compared to the non-BFR group. This kind of makes sense, really. The first time that the people are using these BFR cuffs, they're finding it quite tough. But what we find with people who use BFR is they quickly get accustomed to it. And obviously, this is highlighted with the reduction in blood lactate levels in that last session. In all training sessions, RPE and heart rate were significantly greater in the BFR group. Onto the hormonal response, growth hormone concentrations increased in both groups, but was substantially greater in the BFR group. However, the growth hormone concentrations at the response to the last training session increased non-significantly in both groups. And at the end of the testing protocol, the increase in growth hormone resting concentrations were non-significant. When we look at the concentration of testosterone and cortisol, both of these increased significantly immediately after the first session, and in the last session, both groups saw an increase in testosterone, but not cortisol. It was also noted there was a difference in testosterone and also a testosterone to cortisol ratio after the first session, and this was significantly different between both groups in favor of the BFR. If we look at the changes in the resting levels of hormones across the 10 sessions, there was no real changes as to whether we wore BFR cuffs or not. And in some of my own studies that I've actually found that although at times the testosterone concentration may show something, the inclusion of cortisol gives a much better picture. It's actually reported to be a great indicator of 
a balance between the anabolic and the catabolic nature of the body. In some of my studies, we actually found some really great correlations to outcome and performance. Overall, the findings revealed that applying BFR increased the internal training load through heart rate and the RPE measures, and this resulted in small additional but potentially meaningful improvements in several aspects of aerobic and anaerobic performance. There was a significant increase in the serum or the blood concentrations of growth hormone and testosterone and cortisol immediately after small-sided games with and without the BFR. But 48 hours after last training session, there was no significant changes were observed in the overall resting concentrations. However, it must be noted here that there was an increase in the testosterone to cortisol ratio, and this was significant in favor of the BFR group. The increase in the mean RP and heart rate in the BFR group was probably higher due to the lower oxygen delivery conditions provided for active muscles whilst wearing BFR cuffs. The RP values reported during training without BFR were partly light to somewhat hard, but when played under BFR conditions, the RP values increased to a hard or very hard score. The increased heart rate in the BFR group was consistent with previous BFR studies, where around 86% of heart rate max was shown for the BFR group and 83% of heart rate max for the non-BFR group. Following the first training session, there were significant greater blood lactate levels in the BFR group compared to the non-BFR control group. And it seemed therefore that the BFR increased metabolic stress by impairing oxygen availability and thus more energy was derived from the anaerobic system with a resultant increase in blood lactate. During the last training session, there was shown to be a decrease in lactate concentrations observed in both groups, but this was significantly more so in the BFR training group. Training with BFR has previously been shown to improve onset blood lactate accumulation. On the other hand, exercise training has been shown to increase lactate removal availability. Put simply, it seemed that training with BFR facilitates muscular adaptations leading to a greater lactate clearance and potentially faster recovery futsal players. The improved lactate clearance may be also related to the elevated testosterone concentrations observed in the BFR group. During this three-a-side game training, the futsal players performed numerous short sprints and other high-intensity activities continuously. So this format led to improved anaerobic indices, as indicated by the Wingate 30-second test, where peak power, average power, and mean power were shown to be in favor of the BFR group. Of the measured anaerobic indices in this study, only the changes in average power differed significantly between the two groups. The exposure of players to extreme metabolic acidosis during the BFR training likely resulted in increased lactate tolerance and ultimately improved average power in the Wingate 30-second test. An improvement in average power is important for futsal players because the lactate or anaerobic system is the predominant energy system used within futsal. Therefore, BFR-trained players can tolerate higher blood lactate and perform more activities under high pressure in futsal conditions. Increases in VO2 max occurred in both groups after training, with somewhat larger increases in the BFR group. The increase in VO2 max seen in both groups in the study is actually similar to increases reported in another study where they did eight sessions running on a treadmill at 80% of peak running velocity in BFR and a controlled non-BFR group. 
And there were actually only trivial differences between these groups. Therefore, it seems that intensity of exercise plays a role in the increase of VO2 max. Despite the similar increases in VO2 max and the velocity at which VO2 max was achieved in both groups, running economy and time to fatigue only significantly increased in the BFR group. In fact, the submaximal oxygen cost was reduced by approximately 22% and time to fatigue increased by 7% in the BFR group. Both of these variables in the control non-BFR group remained unchanged. It is possible that the improvement in the time to fatigue was related to an increased running economy as a result of local muscular adaptation. If we look to other literature, it could be proposed that increased red cell mass and improved skeletal muscle buffer capacity was involved in this improved running economy. Minorly, the results of this study shows an elevated testosterone and growth hormone concentration, and this may also be involved in improvement in running economy because there is a growth hormone to insulin to growth factor axis, which is involved in the physiological elevation of hemoglobin. And also testosterone has been shown to stimulate erythropoiesis, which is the production of red blood cells. And if you want to know what the growth hormone to insulin growth factor axis is, it's actually linked to the nutritional status of an individual, where growth hormone is a potent stimulator of insulin growth factor. And insulin growth factor one is an anabolic and metabolic hormone. And in particular, the influence of insulin growth factor 1 in mediating some of the beneficial aspects of exercise has been highlighted with respect to post-exercise recovery and remodeling mechanisms for muscle tissue. And also hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is a protein in your red blood cells that carries oxygen to your body's organs and tissues and transports carbon dioxide from your organs and tissues back to your lungs. A higher red blood cell volume facilitates a higher oxygen transport to the active skeletal muscles by facilitating a higher cardiac output. Overall, higher volume of red blood cells equals higher athletic performance. Back to the hormones, there was a significant increase in testosterone concentrations and also the testosterone to cortisol ratio. And this was observed at the first session of work with BFR. Other studies have shown that high-intensity exercises produce lactate leads to the stimulation of testosterone release. So therefore, elevated lactate levels in the present study could be a reason for the increased level of testosterone concentrations after exercise. At the end of the training period, the testosterone concentrations increased in both groups and the levels of cortisol remained constant. Due to the greater increase in testosterone concentration to be a far group, their ratio was increased. And just to make it clear, the testosterone and cortisol ratio is essentially where you divide testosterone over cortisol and you get a number or a ratio. And as I mentioned earlier, the testosterone and cortisol ratio is a really great measure of the anabolic catabolic status of a response to exercise. So if you have increase from pre to post, that is uh, more of an anabolic response to a session and then conversely, if you had a pre and a post measure, that would be a negative or more of a catabolic response to that session. Bringing this all together now, overall, the advantage of small-sided games is obvious in promoting simultaneous tactical and physical fitness in team sports. Therefore, it could be recommended for coaches to add BFR to small-sided games to increase the internal training load and to provide substantial improvements in both aerobic and anaerobic markers of performance. Applying BFR to small-sided games training also increases the internal load of training, 
which elicits an acute response in anabolic hormones such as growth hormone and testosterone. And this provides additional benefits to promote the aerobic and anaerobic performance. I hope you enjoyed this article and it gives you some ideas of how you could potentially incorporate this into your own sporting environment. In particular, this gives a challenging method to ensure that the goal of, in this case, performing small-sided games, provides the necessary physiological stimulus to elicit the necessary gains that you're trying to achieve with your athletes. The next episode, we're going to continue this journey on how we can use BFR in a sports training setting for performance improvement. A couple of favors from me to you. If you know of someone who would benefit from this episode, please share it. And also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes. If you're interested in purchasing your own set of BFR cuffs, I've got my own brand called the Sports Rehab Tourniquet, and you can get this by visiting my website, which is sportsrehab.com.au. And I can also help you with your training, so contact me via my website or DM me through my socials, which is at Chris Cavillio on Instagram and also Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep the pump.